Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another edition of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University. And joining me via Zoom is Dr. Brian Shetler, head of special collections at Drew University Archives. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing well. So what do you have for us today? So today we picked a few items that I thought would be a really good connection to what's going on in our world, specifically COVID and the pandemic. Uh, and these are actually items from our prayer book collection. They're, uh, it's a collection of about 1,100 prayer books dating back from the 15th century all the way to the 20th century. But the few that I'm going to highlight today are specifically about the plague and how people use prayer to sort of combat the plague in the 17th century in England. Okay. So, all of these are pamphlets, so they're very small, uh, but they give you an idea of how people sort of responded to or, or reacted to a pandemic similar to what we're dealing with now, but back about 400 years ago. Interesting. So we're gonna start off with the first one here. It's from 1625, and it is uh, a very small, about 35 pages or so, uh, what they call a form of common prayer. So what, what it is is it's intended to have a sort of purposefully communicative property where you would all pray together over a certain situation or, or circumstance or event. In this case, it is a common prayer and an order of fasting, as it says on the front cover, mm. uh, for uh, averting God's heavy visitation, which essentially is saying in order to get this plague, get this sickness away from us, we need to all pray together to, to heal ourselves. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that each of these are assigned a specific time and location. So you'll see on the front cover um, that it says actually explicitly to the people who are praying that this will be prayed every Wednesday during the visitation. During mm. the so essentially, it's given, giving you a specific time or day in which to perform these prayers. All of oh, these wow. books um, that we're going to look at, all of the pamphlets, are, are printed by... Uh, printers who are authorized by the church and by the king, which were one and the same at this point, um, essentially saying that uh, by his majesty's authority, printers to the king's most excellent majesty, they are given the right to print these items because they actually sell very well. Something like this, especially in a time of great uh, unease and discomfort, like a time of plague, you can sell a lot of copies of these prayer books. So you have to have a certain license, so to speak, from the king in order to produce them. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. This is a great example of just that. And you even see uh, on the front cover, they'll give you an actual uh, icon of the, of the king as a sort of authority figure, a stamp um, of his approval. So this particular copy, again, 1625, uh, and it's a form of common prayer together with an order of fasting. So there's a sort of second component to it where you're not only praying, but you're spending the full day that Wednesday uh, fully fasting for the entire day as a way to sort of uh, give up things in order to try to please God to make him take care of the plague and to, to essentially heal you. Um, what's interesting is you'll see this is from, again, 1625, the same exact year, we have a second prayer book that comes out, another pamphlet, much shorter, uh, the last one, like I said, was about 30 pages or so. This one's only about a dozen pages. And this one in the beginning has a, a slightly different direction to the people who are actually making the prayers. Uh, it says, a short form of thanksgiving to God for staying the contagious sickness of the plague. Mm -hmm. And it's specifically aimed at the contagious part. Um, 
Now, what's interesting is it's to be used, as it says right on the cover, to be used in common prayer on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, which means that they are three days a week having people come together to pray to get rid of this contagious disease. And uh, for those of us who know in this time of uh, COVID, social distancing is key, staying outdoors is key, staying away from other people is key. So inviting people three days a week into your church to pray closely together, maybe not the best idea to get rid of a contagious disease. Yeah, um, but it, I mean, I, I suppose if you believe that the disease was, um, I, don't, I don't know, divinely inspired or, or originated uh, by supernatural means, maybe that would, that would make sense, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, so their belief was that this was, in fact, not only could God cure you and save you, but this was actually given to us by God because of a punishment for something that people had done at the time. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's interesting to me, too, that this seems to me to be a form of mass communication in an era before anything like we know to be mass commun communication existed, right? To sort of get everyone to participate in a community all at the same time, all on the same day. Uh, this is fascinating. That's exactly right. And in fact, that's why these things are so... Um, if you were here and seeing them in person, our, our audience who's listening, you would see that this is a very small item. Uh, it's really no bigger than about the length of my hand. It's about the size of your hand, yeah. Uh, and it's only, like I said, this one only 12 pages long. It's very short. It's actually rather cheap to produce and cheap to purchase. So it can be distributed to a large number of people. So yes, that sort of mass communication sort of um, uh, sending this out into the public in London, where all of these are coming from, uh, it makes it an easier distribution point because you can give these out throughout the city relatively cheaply or sell them throughout the city cheaply. Uh, so yes, you're right on track with that. Yeah, wow. So again, 1625, so two different approaches, if you will, to prayer books and how prayer can sort of combat the disease. We jump ahead then to 1636, which is, this is an interesting version. It's almost identical to the first one that we looked at, the slightly longer one, again, about 30 to 40 pages. This one actually has its original wrapper. Uh, so all of these were either bound with, with no cover at all or just a single piece of paper as a cover. Okay. This, this particular copy has a, a parchment binding. Parchment is essentially animal skin. Mm -hmm. uh, and it protects the book to a degree. Yeah, it's in great condition. Yeah, considering its age. Yeah, again, <laughs> we're talking 500 years or 400 years old. Uh, it's in pretty great shape. There's actually something written at the very top of the of the cover it was written, see. it was written there by the owner of the book and it says uh, common prayer book in the time of plague wow so very much this is putting you into the life of the person who had this book who used it who was probably trying to ward off sickness or maybe themselves were sick uh, and so they purchased this as a way to combat the disease so this would be considered marginalia Exactly. Yep. And what's interesting is you don't find marginalia often on the outside of the book. So it's interesting sure. for us to see. It's a really great example of how you can use a, what is rather a plain looking cover as a free space for writing. You now, know, do, do we know anything about the, these plagues? What, what were these plagues? Uh, so it was, it's essentially a, a, a bubonic plague, sort of black death that we think of. Okay. A different version of that, but essentially that's what, what was happening. Uh, and it, it hit London multiple times in the 17th century. Um, every 
eight to 10 years, honestly. So oh, wow. this is why you see these prayer books being reprinted so often. So again, from 1625, we have another one, 1636. Uh, and it starts to um, be clear that this is not a problem that's going away quickly. Right. And, and so they were practiced at dealing with plagues in this particular way of coming together in fellowship and, and praying. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that use of the term common, common prayer book, it's really for everybody and for mm -hmm. everyone to get together, which is what we see here as well. So this text, just like the one before, again, the first one rather, uh, is common prayer, also with fasting, and also to be read uh, every Wednesday. So our final prayer book, uh, which again, we move ahead in time. So we move from the 1630s now into 1640. And this one is different from all the other three that we saw because it is specifically for a particular day. So right now we had seen one that said, you know, every Wednesday you're gonna go- Weekly, right. A weekly thing, or even that other one that said, you know, Thursdays, Fridays, and, and Saturdays, whatever. It had a regular sort of weekly component. This one is for a specific day. So again, it's a, a form of common prayer, but this is specifically to be used as it's printed here on the 8th of July in 1640. So it has a very particular sort of one time only usage in a way, mm -hmm. which is rather interesting because it does limit the usefulness of a text like this, right? If you're only gonna be using it on July 8th, uh, 1640, come July 9th or August 10th or whatever, this is no longer a, a valuable piece. Right. So it's an interesting sort of dynamic to think about how people who would purchase or own such a thing, they may have gotten rid of it after July 8th and thought this is no longer of use. Sure. Uh, but it's very specific for this reason, because there's again a day of fasting, specifically because, as it says here, his majesty's proclamation. So the king, in an effort to avert the plague, as it says, decided upon a day of fasting and prayer for the entirety of the country. Uh, in this case, ju uh, July 8th. So pulling out all the stops and, and really trying to, to do something to intercede uh, on, on, on behalf of the kingdom um, that's suffering through this plague. That's exactly right. Uh, so think of it as sort of a mandate from on high, and this mm -hmm. is literally from the highest level, which is the king of England. Um, and again, it is specifically mentioning that it's to avert the plague, but also other judgments of God. So they are clearly tying... Uh plague itself to God's judgment and punishment in this way. Um, so the actual prayer has to be used on this particular day of fasting and prayer in order to combat that and to prove to God that you are worthy and the, the plague should be lifted. Wow. So in many ways, even though this is our, our the, the latest one in the, in the collection, it's, it's the most specific and, and perhaps the most powerful because of how much importance that came from the king in this particular case for this one day of fasting and prayer. And those are uh, a few of our items from our, uh, our common prayer book collection, but these are the four specifically about plague and about sickness. Mm. Uh, and I think an appropriate topic certainly for us today uh, and a great insight into how people 400 years ago were dealing with the same sort of problems and issues that we are facing uh, worldwide today. Thank you very much for sharing this, Brian. You're welcome. That's our show. If you want to see images of the items we've highlighted today, head on over to Drew University Participatory Archives at www.drew.edu forward slash library. 
forward slash special hyphen collections. You can follow the Drew Special Collections and University Archives on social media, on Facebook at Drew U Special Collections, on Twitter at Drew U Archives, and on Instagram at Drew Archives. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Dr. Brian Shetler, take care, stay safe, and see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.